What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. For tuning, for tuning in, in to, to Let's, Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the one most, of the most informative, informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. It's Wednesday, August the 10th, 2016. I'm in the studios with Miss Jody Melissa Slaughter and Coach Ellis Crum. He's welcome back to the show hey. from the Rules TV show and, of course, world's greatest publicist, Miss Nikki Curry. Um, we're going to kick things off like we always do with my track of the week. Over the weekend, we were at a family cookout and this song came on and everybody got on their feet. Um, it's a it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, the emotions, best of my love. We'll be right back.
It began with five words. If not me, then who? The Travis Mannion Foundation has taken those five words and grown them into a national movement. The Travis Mannion Foundation is dedicated to assisting our nation's veterans, families of the fallen, and the next generation of young leaders. It's about remembering the sacrifices of all the men and women who've given their lives for this country and honoring their legacies through service in your own community. It's about it's adopting the motto, motto, if not me, then, then who? And applying, and applying it to your it to daily your lives like so like many so others have already, have already done. done. All these great things that we live in this beautiful country, it didn't happen because no one chose to serve. Serving should be like in your blood. If not me, then who? From our 9-11 Heroes Run to putting character to action in your community, discover how you can honor the fallen by challenging the living. Get involved at travismanion.org. The American Red Cross urgently needs blood and platelet donations and asks donors to schedule an appointment to give now. Every two seconds, someone in the United States needs blood. Your blood donation is critical and can help save lives. Please, schedule an appointment today. Download the Blood Donor app, visit redcrossblood.org, or call 1-800-RED-CROSS today. You can make a difference. Premature birth is the number one killer of babies. Those who survive often face birth defects and complications that affect them for life. A healthy birth is the dream of every parent. But for hundreds of thousands of families with a baby born too soon, the reality is their baby's first home is the newborn intensive care unit. It's the hardest thing they will ever have to face. And it's even harder on the baby. This is a crisis that knows no boundaries. 15 million babies are born prematurely worldwide. Nearly 1 million will die before their first birthday. Do something today. Help the March of Dimes provide education and support to families and fund life-saving research to give every baby a fighting chance. Give them tomorrow at marchofdimes.org tomorrow. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Straight Morning Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Again, we're in the studio. She has such a beautiful smile. Thank you. My first co-host, I'll let her introduce herself. We're bringing to the show. She is a host of the hit show, The Rules, all about relationships. I'll let her introduce herself. Miss Jody Melissa Slaughter. How are you doing? I am well and so honored to be sitting with I you. I am so I've always seen you on social media. I know you like a lot of my pictures and stuff. Yes. We go back and forth. That's but um tell everybody else who you are and why you're so lovely because you know you are. Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, as you stated, I am a co host of the Rules T V show show. We talk about relationships. I like that show. Show. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I am a psychotherapist by trade. Okay. However, I am also the CEO and founder of Launch Out Coaching and Consulting, like and that. I'm building an empire. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And excited to be here. Yes, you are. I- introduce this other guy in the room. This is my TV husband. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he is an awesome man. He is an awesome visionary. Yeah. He is um, the creator of the rules. Yeah. 
and um, it has been an honor to sit on the couch with him and to gain from his wisdom to teach him a couple of things. Are you teaching uh, him? Yes, sir. That's how we do it. Uh, <laughs> Coach, Coach Ellis Crom. Tell hey, us about man. yourself, man. Hey, is she teaching you something? Oh, she's teaching me a lot of things. What? A lot of things. Yeah, mostly about how to be wrong. But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, this is a very, very wise woman, and and, and we we have been blessed to have her. Share our couch with us. Yes. And again, I'm, I'm Coach Ellis. Mm-hmm. I'm the uh, host of the Rules the TV rules. show yeah. uh, about relationships. It's a real adult conversation yes. about real adult relationships. Uh-huh. And, and tell everybody when the show comes on show and comes, how they can tune in. Sure. show comes on Sky 4. That's WSKY. Channel 4 on both, both Files and on Cox Cable here in Hampton Roads on Monday mornings at 5 o'clock in the morning. So oh, it's a little God. early, but it's worth it. It's worth getting absolutely, up for. absolutely. And if you're not up that early, just DVR it. DVR it. Yes. Okay. 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 Did you guys see everything that was going on with Mo? Look at that. <laughs> this is. Yeah, the, better leave Malia this is Obama the president's alone. Daughter. I she's just, a 16 year old. 18 year old. I just can't believe it. She's a child. She's made it all this far with no issues. I was so proud. Well, folks just haven't shown it. I mean, she's they had haven't shown it. You think she's, she's done something? She's I a teenager. I haven't even seen any prom pictures. Let's, let's just take a look at this. I know Michelle tore that tail up. <laughs> look at that. I told my girlfriend, mom and dad were waiting at the White House door when she entered. <laughs> they said, oh, you want to shake? Stand up in the motor, what's the dash, bro? Yeah, she's twerking。But you know what? So did Michelle teach her this, or how did she learn this? Michelle got moved. I ain't saying. But you know what? But we twerk growing up. It's just that we didn't have. You're not the president's daughter, baby. Well, hey, 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 hey. Don
tall people were that she was with. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you got to take that into consideration. Because my girlfriends would not let me go out and act a fool. Right. Because right. of the standard that I've set for myself. Mm -hmm. But behind closed doors, oh, we cut up mm -hmm. and we twerk but I'm just behind sure closed doors. When she got in that White House, they, they had that talk. You know who you are. You have to be careful when you go out. You have to be, you know, what you do is a reflection on the, the president. Mm -hmm. well, me, this happened before she even got back to the White House. Now, I did, like, realize, did realize, not to cut you off, this was her birthday weekend. Yes. So, so she, she was turned up. They said she was turned up. <laughs> she turned up. Um, and they said that she was drinking. Well, they didn't say she was drinking. Well, they, they said, said it, was a, it was a lot of a drinking. A lot of drinking, and people got drunk fast. Well, if she did that, she was she looked like she was a little bit out of her Well, mind. see, I don't know, because Secret Service, even though they don't supposed to interfere in, in, in the uh, personal lives mm -hmm. so much, won't let her do something illegal. Okay. Right. And so at 18, it's not legal. So I don't... She, she, you know, you know how eighteen year olds when you're not allowed to drink, you mm -hmm. act like you're drunk right. because you know you want to fit in with everybody. She's a normal eighteen year old young lady Jeez. who wants to fit in with her friends. Right. Okay. So, okay, so you just said something that I didn't know. So, with so with Secret Service being around her, like if she was at a house party, would they be in the party or like surrounded? Oh no, they'd the be in the party. Folks have to have eyes on her and all the within time. arms length. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in she case, can't even go sneak upstairs. She can go to the bathroom by herself. With someone outside the door. With someone outside what? the door. And she, making sure no one else goes yeah. in. And if she slow dances with somebody, they'll be standing right there. <laughs> because they have to be close enough in case someone so pulls out a knife happened. or something else mm -hmm. happens. They'll be close enough to 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 intercede uh -huh. right away. Did not know that. Yes. Did not no, know privacy. That. no privacy. No privacy. No privacy. No privacy. None. But I do agree with the fact that she's the president's daughter. Yeah. And he has had a very difficult time in the White House. Uh -huh. Although he has demonstrated character and integrity, yes, as has. far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. there is a standard. There's a level, there's a standard of expectation that people expect her to engage in. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why people would flip out. Mm -hmm. I say let her dance. Now, I didn't like the lifting of the dress. Yeah. I don't even know why that was necessary. Uh -huh. But she's an 18-year-old kid. She's the president's daughter, mm -hmm. but she's an 18-year-old kid. She's still a kid. Yeah, see, I don't have I don't have much problem with it. I mean, this is like being a pastor's kid. Uh -huh. You know, people have all these great expectations. Expectations, right? And the bottom line is, why people are growing up? Right, they're growing up. They're experiencing life. Right, and the most the biggest tragedy would be if we deprived her of the right to grow to up be, to experience yeah. that. Right, but I'm sure she got it. I'm sure her mama was like, let me tell you, you saw the Chicago come out. <laughs> I wish I could have been there. <laughs> I wish somebody would have put that on social she media. She probably yes. flew down to Miami. Okay. <laughs> she probably flew down to Miami. Okay. All right, so so look, I, I got something. This this thing here, well, we're just going to jump right into relationships. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, so I read across this article on Facebook, and it just floored me. Okay. This woman <clears throat> um, wrote a letter, mm -hmm. and she was telling the, the host, said, look, man, I, I entered this thing, and I'm, I'm kind of upset I want to get out of it. Okay. My twin sister and I have always been twins. We all shared everything. And so, you know, we were real close, and then we separated, went to college. She went to one college, went to another. She got a job in the city, moved away from home. While she was away, she'd come home every now and then, and, and you know, we'd have dinner and everything. And I met this guy, and he liked me, and we dated, and then after three months, he proposed to me. Uh -huh. He had never met my sister, and all of a sudden, sister comes home, and he meets her, and no, we all have a good laugh because he really can't tell us apart. In fact, he got so bad that one day he came into the kitchen and put his arms around her and kissed her and thought she was me. And, you know, sister chuckled, and we had a big laugh, and it was all good. Okay. Uh, so when we got married, yeah. I said the vows. I do. But I went out to change into my second dress for, I guess, the reception. I guess that's what women do. Uh-huh. 
she swapped places with her sister. Her sister came back in, in the dress, and she went out and enjoyed the party, and she said the husband knew nothing about it. So they kept it their secret. So every now and then she lets her, her sister go out to dinner with her husband, go shopping with her husband. Wait, where where'd they do that at? Now, what? Are these tall people? Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, these are folks like us. Okay. 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 In London. Okay. So now she wants to stop it because she's jealous. Uh-huh. And she swears her husband does not know. He knows. So Self-self. she's asked for help. And I'm like, oh. so I just want to know what you think, Doc. Let me tell you something. Tell me I something. I mean, it's a man's paradise to me, but. It is, Hello. but. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it, it never, it's never going to end well because we're always going right. to be jealous as women because right. we don't want anybody else with our men mm-hmm. except for us. She's your sister. You think your husband doesn't know hmm. that you all are swapping. He is oh, very he well aware, but he's enjoying it. So why is he going to say something? But now you now you upset about it because your sister's catching feelings for your husband. Mm. Yeah, he, and now that puts you in a situation where what am I going to do? He is living the man's dream yes, he with is. permission. He is, and it's a shame and, that and, she ever started that. He's not going to tell her. He He's going to play dumb. I didn't know. I didn't know. But look. You know. He knows. He knows. Because no two women, no matter who they are, respond Mm-mm. the same. Voice is different. Exactly. You know? I mean, something about them is different, whether you're twins or not. You know, her eyebrow is not as arched as this or something. Her smell. Yeah. The smell see, is different. Yep. And how the, the she way, kisses you. See, there you but go. But he's saying, because they think I'm stupid, I'm going to let them think I'm mm-hmm. stupid. And I'm going to enjoy And enjoy it. this ride. What man would it? Yes. You know why? Because you have a cookie jar conversations. And cookie nobody, jar conversations. And, and, and nobody's the wiser. He's per- perfectly okay. Yeah. Besides, it's her fault. If she How would you handle it? Would you be upset? Would you tell them, <clears throat> I know what you're doing? Well. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> All right, so he'd be like, "Give it to me, baby." <laughs> well, I'm we want the truth. Uh-huh. We want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but. All right, so at the end of the day, uh-huh. I'm a little upset that she thinks I'm stupid. Uh-huh. I ain't so mad that she, you know, right. sister. Mm-hmm. I'm mad she thinks I'm stupid uh-huh. that I don't know the difference. Now, because I love her, mm-hmm. I'm a little disappointed mm-hmm. that she wants to share me with somebody, mm-hmm. but. As a man, you know, I'm yeah. thinking this is the man's paradise. Yeah. So I might not be that mad because I'm certainly not going to admit that I know. Uh-huh. Now, that that's the man answer. The coach answer okay. is, oh, we got to stop this because I don't want you coming back in a few years saying, I know you knew. Now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. I ain't trying to I ain't trying mm-hmm. to hear that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we, we call timeout, stop. And before we even went there, we would have had this conversation. And what is that family <clears throat> dynamic like? Oh, and what happens if sister gets pregnant? How oh, about wow. that? That's a whole nother yeah. issue. Yeah, that's exactly. H&L, a whole nother level. Right. <laughs> you know, right. If sister gets pregnant and wife don't get pregnant, how do you want to explain that one? You know, this is interesting because um, I dated a guy once, and he told me he had a dream about me sleeping with his best friend. He had a dream about that? And he was there. And he, and he allowed it. He was thinking, oh, I had a dream about it. Is it something that you would ever consider? I gave him the peace sign. It oh, was yeah. over. Oh yeah, Deuces. I'm not. I'm not even in that way with you. But uh-huh. you. But you're okay as a man with me being with your best friend and you standing and watching. Really, dude, what's wrong with you? Yeah, he he was setting you up. He wasn't setting me up because I wasn't falling for well, the okie doke. He, he was. He was. He was trying to go ahead and prime you for the future. And if I'm gonna <laughs> cheat on you, I'm gonna cheat on you with somebody of my choice. That's right. Not somebody you want to bring to the table. Exactly. <laughs> Well, sometimes, now sometimes folks go there. I mean, oh, no. I, I know people 
out of desperation uh -huh. for their relationship will say, I will find, tell me who you want. I'll go hook it up for you mm -hmm. just so you can get out your system mm -hmm. so you can come back to me. I know I, I've had clients like that. But they don't get it out of their system. No, they don't. And that's when you don't know your worth, that you are willing to share the person that you are in a relationship with with someone else and to say that you're comfortable with mm -hmm. that. That's not okay. And it's no. going to lead to other stuff. And it it's will. just going to make the low self-esteem and the devaluing of oneself even go. worse. Yeah. Even worse. So, for, for a man, he just, he can't, even though he said, I would set it up for you. Mm -hmm. The thing is, if she ever went through with it. He'd leave she, her. Uh, she destroyed everything. And he'd never forgive her. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. Not at all. She had a better chance of forgiving him than he has of forgiving her. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that's a standard answer. Um, she will put up with a lot of stuff from him. Mm -hmm. He will put up with very little stuff from her when it comes to infidelity. So, so what are your thoughts, each of you, in, let's say you're madly in love with someone. I don't know your situations, but you're madly in love with someone, and there's some, something similar to this, and they say, you know, I love you, I want to be with you, but I have this habit, or I have this whatever, and they, they offer to you an open relationship. I can't do now, it. Now, you're in a, you've been in a relationship 15 years. You, you love the person. I, it, oh, you just grown up? 15 I mean, years? They're and just telling you about it. They're just telling you that I want to be in this open relationship. So they've already more than likely been in an open relationship. I just didn't know it was open. That's what it what, like what are me. your thoughts about an open relationship? I don't you agree. Can't... I believe, for me, uh -huh. I'm, I'm a one-man's woman. And that's coming from? My experiences growing up, what okay. I was taught, what I believe, the foundation of my worldview in life. Uh -huh. um, there's, look... I'm a lot to handle. One mm -hmm. man can barely handle me. I mean, <laughs> yes. I, really, I'm a handful. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, I'm a handful. But for me, I would, honestly, I would be jealous. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it would be an issue where I would want to poison her. Yeah. She would, you know. It, so no it, sister wives for you. Oh, no. Absolutely mm. not. And I pity the fool who would ever think that that would be okay to <laughs> ask. But no, I'm, I'm not down with it. Okay. I'm, and I'm not sharing you with anybody mm -hmm. else. So it would be, that's a deal breaker. That's, not, that's a definite deal that breaker. That is absolutely a deal breaker. Yeah. So. I'm out. We're going to decide what we're going to do with the kids, the home. I'm taking the kids. Every, I'm taking the house. I'm taking probably more than half because uh -huh. I'm smarter than you are okay. at this point. <laughs> and and yeah. I don't know, and I don't know what's going to happen to you. Uh -huh. And mm. I don't know what's going to happen to her, but no, not in my house. Mm. Yeah. Coachella's? Wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to open relationships. Okay. But what I do know just from the experience of coaching, that some people get to a place of desperation, they're willing to try anything. I think it's a bad idea. It's a it's a, it's it's a bad idea. But some people make it work because they're just desperate enough for that relationship to work. They just want you to get out of system. Joey, go do what you gotta do, just get it out your system and come back to me. You know, that doesn't work for me, That's but a I know terrible that place to be in. It, it, it is. is. But you know what? What I found is uh, in my practice is that people who are there, one of two things happens. That he or she gives the permission to go do that. Mm -hmm. The other one does not because the person gave the permission and that solidifies that relationship or one does and it destroys the relationship. Mm -hmm. I've never found a relationship that someone said it was okay, mm -hmm. that will, that it was really okay. Yeah, I, I, I never have either. And, you know, in a situation like that where you're that desperate, you're dehydrated, you're not thirsty. Yeah. And yeah. so... What that is going to create for you is con it's going to perpetuate the cycle of you not being valued in the relationship. You're not getting your needs met in the relationship, the low self-esteem. And you know what? Eventually, one person, one other person is not going to be enough for him. Mm -hmm. He's going to need more. He's going to need more. Yep. He's going to need more to get that same high, to get that same rush, to get that same feeling that he had before. Wow. 
Well, we'll you know get what? back to that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that. We have our first guest on the line, Mr. Mike Shayla. Um, I was telling to you earlier, you know, I'm graduating soon. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, don't know really how to use it effectively. So I sought out this guy, um, Mr. Mike Shayla. He's uh, the LinkedIn uh, man, and he has all the information on how to effectively use it. So we're going to welcome to the show, Mr. Mike Shayla. How are you doing, sir? so much for having me on tonight. This is going to be a heck of a lot of fun. That's good. That's good. So, sir, I just want to get started first. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into learning so much about LinkedIn. Sure. I have been in sales for 20 years now. I got my first sales job right after I graduated from college in 1995. Mm -hmm. And I worked for a variety of companies. I sold insurance for a little while. I actually sold truck bed liners for a little while. And in 1999, I got into technology sales, specifically telecom. And for people that are not familiar with that industry, that's one of the core places where the motto smile and guile gets thrown around a okay. lot. And what I mean by that is you get a list of phone numbers and you just hammer that list and you're calling people and calling people and calling people. And I had a knack for that. Mm -hmm. I could sit down in a day. I could make 100 phone calls. I could set five to seven appointments to line my week up for the following week and then go out, run those appointments, close those deals, and then do it again next week. I was very successful at that for a very long time. And somewhere around 2006, 2007, those things stopped working. Okay. Making 100 phone calls a day didn't yield five or seven appointments anymore. There were plenty of times where I could make 100 calls and not set a single appointment. And for a salesperson, that's really bad. Mm -hmm. And I started to seek out other ways that I could get in touch with people. And a friend of mine here in Baltimore had sent me a connection request to LinkedIn, and this is back in 2006. And I didn't really know much about it at the time. And like many people, I threw together a profile, didn't really put a lot of attention into it, had typos in it, didn't have a good professional photo of myself on there. And I started seeing LinkedIn come up more and more. In other words, if I was researching the company, if I was researching a person, more often than not, one of the first hits I would see on a Yahoo search page or on a Google search page would be the LinkedIn profile of the company or the LinkedIn profile of that person. Right. I dove into those profiles and found all of this wonderful information about my prospective clients. And a lot of times, the most important piece was who they knew that I also knew. And that's one of the big keys, one of the big values to LinkedIn is when you can leverage that second-degree connection, meaning they know someone that you also know. And depending on how well they know that person and how well you know that person, it makes the process of meeting them and getting them to talk to you about their business needs and proposing a solution and then getting them to commit to buy the solution from you significantly easier. And I frequently would get asked by coworkers, and other people that I knew through networking, questions about LinkedIn. You know, how do you do this? And why do you do that? And if I wanted to do this, how would I go about doing it? 
And I thought to myself, I, I should start a business around this because mm-hmm. as much as I made good money selling in the technology business, it wasn't terribly satisfying. Like make, making the money was great, but the other aspects of the job just weren't terribly attractive. And Mike Sheila Consulting is very satisfying. Like I, I, I love teaching people. I love encouraging them. I love giving them advice that they can use that's practical. Mm-hmm. And that's how Mike Sheila Consulting came about, my love of LinkedIn and my love of sharing that knowledge with other people. Okay. So let me ask you this. So LinkedIn is considered social media. Unlike Facebook, where you're making um, personal and family connections, to a person like myself, who I have a LinkedIn um, profile, like you said, it was pretty much thrown together. Now, I do have a very fabulous picture up there. But as far as the information, (laughs) it's very novel. You are a sharp-dressed man in that profile. Thank thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So I did that right. But So what is LinkedIn? I'm up there because people said you need to be on LinkedIn. If you had to tell me, you know, what is LinkedIn? What Exactly what is it? It is the best tool for connecting with the people that you need to know for your professional life. Okay. And you brought up a very interesting comment right at the beginning there where you said friends and family on Facebook. I have many friends and family that I'm connected to on LinkedIn. And the main reason that I did that is – you never know who they know. Okay. I, I, I do a lot of work with colleges. I, I speak, I've spoken at Johns Hopkins. I've spoken at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I've spoken at Stevenson University. And it's always to the graduating class because they're getting ready to find a job. And LinkedIn is a fantastic free tool to find a job. It's, it's one of the best ones out there. And the reason it's so great is that second-degree connection, that person that you know that I don't know. And I'll give you a, a great story about that. I, I met a girl through University of Maryland about a year ago, and she was getting ready to graduate. And she struck me as someone who wanted to get ahead, who was going to take some initiative, and we scheduled a one-on-one coaching session. Mm-hmm. And during the coaching session, I was talking to her about her background, and she told me that she is first-generation American, that her parents were both from the former Soviet Union. They were born and raised there. They moved here when she was two or three years old, and she speaks fluent English. She speaks fluent Russian. And I was telling her, well, that's an incredibly valuable commodity, and that's one of the things that you can showcase on your LinkedIn profile. And I was talking to her about the value of ABC, always be connecting. And right on the homepage of your profile is this little section that says people you may know. Mm-hmm. And I check that very frequently. And I was telling her, you don't have a lot of professional connections now, but you connect with your college professors, you connect with your fellow students, you have a part-time job, you connect with the professional people there. I said, you connect with friends, you connect with family. And she immediately said to me, oh, my family is not on LinkedIn. None of of them know about this. I said, okay, well, you never know. And we're working through her profile, and I'm giving her some some coaching. And she points out in the people you may know section, she goes, oh, my gosh, there's my mom. Mm -hmm. And I said, how about that? 
You had no idea. You were convinced your mom didn't have a profile. Who's to say that one of your mom's connections isn't the next person that's going to offer you a job? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. This is her mother we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Moms generally do anything they can to help their daughter be successful, right? Right. Maybe they don't know that that person they're connected to can help their daughter. Maybe they, had, maybe they haven't even crossed their mind. Think about all the valuable connected people that you know in your life, Will, for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Hi, Mike. Excuse me. I have a question. This is Jody. Hello. Hi. So how how much time do I need to spend on LinkedIn to make it worthwhile if I'm trying to build a professional network to brand myself and to get my name out there? Sure. There's two answers to that. (laughs) The first one is you're going to spend about two hours getting your profile optimized getting all the content in there, the keywords positioned properly, the professional headshot, all of those items. And then on a day-to-day basis, if you have a job that you're happy with Mm -hmm. and you're not looking to make a change, and if you're not in a professional sales role like I am, Mm -hmm. then you don't need to spend more than 15 minutes a day, which is far less than most people spend on spend on Facebook. I, I, I can tell you I'm guilty. I'm probably on Facebook at least two, three hours a day. Right. I, you know, when I'm on perusing LinkedIn, I see um, that people have posted like articles and things like that. What, what's, what's the benefit in doing that? There are a number of benefits. And I always like to tell people that there's a downside to that as well. The content that you share should be thought provoking. It should it should cause your other connections to give responses, to engage, mm. because that's what you want. You want to engage other people in the network, and by sharing that content, you want them to say, hey, that's, that's some good stuff. I'm glad they shared that. So that you now become top of mind with them. And when they think about your specialty, your skill set, they're going to think, yeah, I should follow up with her. She, she's really shared some great content. She really knows what she's talking about. That's the value to sharing articles. Okay. Now, the downside is there are a lot of people that don't distinguish the value of LinkedIn from a platform like Facebook, mm-hmm. and they will post political messages. They will post religious messages. Exactly. They will post mathematical memes saying, you're, you're a genius if you can solve this question. I, I had a situation about a month ago where a woman who is a realtor posted two pictures of herself. And I would not describe either of these pictures as inappropriate. In in both of them, she was dressed professionally. One, she was sitting outside on a park bench, and the other one was a little more close-up picture of her. And she asked the LinkedIn world, which one should I use for my professional photo, for my profile. Mm -hmm. And I commented. I said, the one on the left is better than the one on the right, but you really should make the investment to have a professional headshot taken. Many people in your industry do that, and it will help you keep pace with the other realtors that are using LinkedIn for marketing. And what I saw after that, from a comment standpoint, ranged from mildly inappropriate to completely off-topic 
vulgar, inappropriate commentary. And it made me wonder, why do these people do this? What, what, what do they hope to accomplish? When, when I share content on LinkedIn, I want to engage my audience. I want to grow my audience. And I want people to think of me as someone that's knowledgeable in my field. And that's the content that I share. Now, what exceptions do I have to that? The one exception that I have to that is if I am promoting a social cause that I strongly believe in and I'm trying to garner support for that social cause. I'll give you a very clear example. I have an 11-year-old son who was diagnosed with autism three. And ever since then, I've been very involved in the autism community. We do several fundraisers a year, and I normally contribute money myself. And I also reach out to my network to ask them to either be a sponsor or to volunteer their time. So that's the only exception I have to my thought leader content okay. is I will advocate for causes that I believe in that are good for the community. Hey, Mike, this is uh, this is Coach Ellis. So on, link, on LinkedIn, there are a lot of coaches, uh, life coaches, and there are a lot of speakers. How does one develop a LinkedIn community or actually LinkedIn profile that distinguishes him or herself from the masses and masses and the millions and millions of folks that do what I do. The, the smartest thing that you can do is come up with a list of about 20 keywords that are relevant to your industry. And when you are putting together this list of keywords, you want to think about the words that your customers would search for. And, and Will, I'm, I'm going to use yours because I think you have a great headline. It says, makeup artist, hairstylist, educator, journalist, radio and TV talk show host, media professional style coach. Boy, you touch them all. Just looking at your profile, that is a, <laughs> that is a whole you make incredibly <laughs> great use of that real estate. You have 120 characters there. And you made the most of those 120 characters. And 95% of people on LinkedIn don't. How many times have you looked at somebody's professional profile and it's something like a seasoned dynamic professional? <laughs> gotcha. G great. You, you me, and 10,000 other people are all seasoned dynamic professionals. Nobody searches for a seasoned dynamic professional. We all want one. That's what we want to work with, right? Seasoned dynamic professional. But you've never searched for that in your life, unless you were just doing a goof on Google to see what kind of memes you got generated by that. But that's not how you look for business partners. That's not how you look for clients. It's not how you look for customers. So, Mike. So that's, that, that's the step. All right. So, Mike, um, on my LinkedIn profile, I think I have something like, transformational conversationalist that's kind mm -hmm. of part of my branding are am i to understand that it's probably not a good thing for linkedin since no one will actually research conversationalists or transformational conversationalists it depends on where that is on your profile if you have it as part of the conversation 
a great example is your summary section on LinkedIn, where you get to tell people why you do what you do. And if you were to write, I think of myself as transformation, that's great. That, that helps people understand where you're coming from. But you want those keywords to be as frequently distributed through your profile as possible because it helps move you up the LinkedIn search rankings. You know, there's a joke out there that says, what's the best place to bury a body? And that's on page two of a Google search. Because <laughs> if, you, if you don't have the right keywords, you don't rank. Right. And LinkedIn mm. works very similar. They use a very similar but proprietary algorithm on their searches. And when you search for someone, the more keywords they have that fit your description, the more you move up the search rankings. Hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, Mike, this is Will again. I have a question for you, but first I want to um, ask for a little bit more feedback on something you said to um, Jody. You said that okay. if you have a job that you're happy with, that probably just about 15 minutes a day. So during this 15 minutes, what am I, what am I doing? Am I reading articles? Am I supposed to be like searching for new contacts or daily? What are, what are the, the tasks that I should be doing on LinkedIn? You have three things that you're going to be doing. Right at the top of your profile page, if you're looking on a PC or laptop, if you're on the mobile app, they actually appear down at the bottom okay. of the app. But either way, there's three things. There's the chat bubble, there's the status update, and there's connection requests. Okay. And they're all, all three of them are gray. And like your smartphone, when you have an email, it tells you you have an unread email. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn does the same thing. Those are the three things that you want to check. So the connection request is simple. You look at that. If you have one, if you have 10, you go through those people and you decide first, do I know them? Mm -hmm. And if you do, I would think you can connect with them. The second one is maybe you don't know them. And you want to ask yourself, can this person help me? Okay. Do they have a background that can benefit me professionally? You know, in my role, I look at them and say, is this somebody that can refer business to me or someone that could be a client for me? And if so, I'm going to accept their connection request. Okay. If they don't fit into one of those categories, I look to see, did they customize their greeting? That's one of the other ABCs of LinkedIn is always be customizing. Tell people why you want to connect with them. I might, like I sent you an invite tonight, Will, and I said, hey, Will, I'm really looking forward to being on your show tonight. Okay. Now, you could have gotten my connection request, and without me doing that, say, oh, that's the guy I just interviewed, and you would accept my request. Right. But I put a note there to say, I'm really looking forward to being on your show. So I personalized it. And I look for that. And if they didn't personalize it, and they don't fall into the other categories, there's one last step I take. I can click on that connection request, and instead of declining or accepting, I can respond. I can actually write back to the person and say, Hi, Bob. Thanks for reaching out today. I don't believe we've met before. What about my profile interested you in connecting with? That's good. And then I give them three or four days to respond. Mm -hmm. Three or four business days. I mean, let me state it that way because a lot of people don't use you know. But I'll give them three or four business days to respond. And for the most part, people will respond. And the ones that don't, those are the ones that I decline because 
if you sent me a connection request and I followed up with you and you can't get back to me in three or four days, it's probably not a good chance that we're going to help one of them. Right. That's the first piece. The second piece is a little flag in the middle. And the flag is great because the flag lets you know when connections in your network posted a comment, posted a blog, shared your content, commented on your content, liked on your content, and those are all opportunities for you to engage your network. And it will also let you know when people have looked at your profile, which is also a great way to engage and grow your network. Right, right. And then the last one is the chat bubble. And that's LinkedIn's messaging service that allows you to do group contacts to up to 50 people at a time or to individually have chat sessions with someone. So and my question, the question I meant to ask you was, how have you personally used LinkedIn to find a job? Because in addition to everything I have listed on, on my profile, I'll be graduating from college in May, in which all of that's going to possibly change. Um, so I'm looking, how can I use LinkedIn to find a job? So give me, you know, how have you personally used it to find a job? Sure. I, I've used it in just about every transition that I've made. I'll give you a, a great example. About five years ago, a gentleman that I had worked with in a previous life had just gotten a job at a director level for a telecom company here in Maryland. Mm -hmm. And he and I had worked at a telecom company together a couple of years prior. And LinkedIn notified me that he had a new job. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, Mark, you know, congratulations on the new job. Wishing you much success in the coming year. And he got back to me almost immediately mm -hmm. and said, hey, Mike, I want you to come work for me. Mm. Mm. Now, I had not been looking for a job. Uh -huh. I, I wasn't actively, and that wasn't why I reached out to him. I was just genuinely saying, hey, congratulations. And because I was now top of mind, he remembered the good work I had done at the last company. Exactly. Brought me in for an interview with my manager, and I ended up being there for four years, and those were four of the most successful years in my career. Wow. Mm, okay. And at that moment, I, I wasn't looking. It just, I was doing the right thing. I was genuinely being happy for someone else, and it paid dividends. Wow. Okay. So... It, this is Coach again. So, as I'm listening to this, as we develop this profile, and, and, and I'm just trying to figure out how much. I mean, well, you said only 10, 15 minutes a day if I'm not looking for a job. But mm -hmm. what really does LinkedIn bring me that I can't get from Facebook? There's a few things there. One thing I've noticed on Facebook is a lot of people don't tell you where they work. Hmm. And while they will have professional connections on Facebook, they don't have nearly the number of professional connections that they have on LinkedIn. Case in point, I have 3,300 connections on LinkedIn. I have about 700 connections on Facebook. Wow. And, and, and that's, that's the difference is that pe people just, they, they frame the two platforms 
differently. You, you get more valuable information on LinkedIn that will help you find a job, that will help you target a business that you want to work for. Uh, one of my favorite components of LinkedIn is that you can follow companies. Mm-hmm. Whatever industry you want to be in, you can follow every company in that industry. And when jobs open up that are relevant to you, you can apply for them. And now here's here's the advanced technique. You look for those opportunity signals in LinkedIn. For example, you find out that XYZ company is about to open a 50,000-square-foot facility in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and they're in an industry that you want to work in, guess what? They probably need your background. Mm. Maybe they haven't advertised it yet, but that's when you want to connect with them. That's when you want to reach out to the hiring manager and say, hey, I saw in the Virginia Business Journal today that you folks are opening a 50,000-square-foot facility. I'm guessing you're going to need fill-in-the-blank role Mm -hmm. for that facility and would love to talk to the hiring manager that's going to be hiring for that position. Oh, wow. Get yourself to the Mm. front of the line. That way you don't have to compete with two, three hundred other residents. Maybe you only compete with two or three. Who knew? I'm excited. Man. Me too. I, I had no idea LinkedIn. So I was hitting it all wrong. Me too. Because I would see people come there and say, oh, they want to be my friends. Okay, yes. <laughs> connect, connect, and, connect. And that connect. is why I have a business. So thank you, people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 Mike, I know I know LinkedIn is your is, is your baby, but you know, social media just grows by leaps and bounds all the time. And what's mm-hmm. the next thing, like the LinkedIn on steroids? What, you know, what's next for LinkedIn, or is there going to be something else that's going to be actually – explode what LinkedIn does? Well, I think that just happened about a month ago, actually. You may have seen that LinkedIn was acquired by Microsoft. Right. And there are a lot of people that were very unhappy about that. And there are a lot of critics of that acquisition. And justifiably so. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has been very successful from a money standpoint, but maybe not so much from that customer satisfaction standpoint. Here's my perspective on why that can be great. Microsoft doesn't want to recreate LinkedIn. They want that content. They want the analytics They want the raw data of all the people that Mm -hmm. are on LinkedIn. So think about this for a moment. The next time you send an email from Microsoft Outlook, as you begin typing the email address, a LinkedIn icon pops up, and it allows you to go directly to their profile. Mm. That's the kind of integration that Microsoft is contemplating right now. Wow. Okay. And that's one of the things I think is really going to make great is that it's going to almost become ubiquitous. It's, it's going to, it's going to encourage people that aren't in the network already to build and create in the network. Exactly. Mm. And collaboration will come naturally with that. 
Mike, I have one final question with you. So what is a, a LinkedIn group? You talked about how I can follow the company. So I'm going to go home and look through that and mm -hmm. do that. But when, when I see the groups, what is a LinkedIn group? Oh my groups. We, we could do 30 minutes just on groups. I, I will do my best to keep this to like two, three minutes. First thing you can join up to 100 groups wow. on LinkedIn. And the nice thing about that is once you've hit that limit of 100, mm -hmm. if you decide there's a group that's really not serving your needs, you can leave that group and you can join another group. Okay. Here's what groups do. You, you talked earlier about posting content on LinkedIn. Right. You could go to a group, share that content, and now get engagement with thousands of people that you're not directly connected to. It's an excellent way to position yourself as a thought leader for people that are outside of your immediate circle of influence. In addition to that, every, just about every group allows hiring managers to post jobs. It is a great place for you to look for jobs within a group. And here's the great thing about groups. They all have a unique thumbprint to them. You can join groups based on where you live. Mm -hmm. You can join groups based on an alumni association, like for your college or for fraternity or sorority, or even for the military. Mm -hmm. You can join groups based on something you're passionate about. Maybe you're a baseball fan. Maybe you're a football fan. Maybe you're a basketball fan. Maybe you are a AAA affiliate fan. And you want to join a group just to hang out with other people who are in the AAA baseball. There is a group for everything out there. Groups for demographics, groups for regions. There are groups that are associated with your local chamber of commerce. There are groups that are associated with speakers associations. And each one has a unique perspective on the questions you ask. So what I do on a weekly basis is, I will post blog content to LinkedIn, and then I will go through the 80 sonar groups that I'm a member of, and I will share my blog with that group and say, hi, I wrote about filling blank topic this week, and I'd like to get your feedback on this subject. So I'm not implicitly asking them to read my blog, but most of them end up doing that. And in addition to that, I'm getting feedback, I'm getting insights, I'm getting perspective. I'm getting people to ask me questions, and I've got more people thinking of me as a thought leader. So this is Jody, Mike. How do you find these groups? There's a couple of ways you can do that. You can go under interests and click on the groups tab. Okay. And you will see a discover button. Okay. And when you go to that, it, it shows you different groups based on some of the groups that you've already joined. The other thing that you can do is at the search tab at the top, for example, let's just type in the word college. And I typed in the word college in the search bar. So the first thing that I get is companies that have the word college in it. The next thing I get are groups that have the word college in it. And then the next I have after that is university. And then the next I have after that is people. So I can just type in a keyword and LinkedIn will let me look based on those categories. 
And then the other thing you can do is as you're looking at somebody's profile, you can look at the groups that they are already a member of. And if you are interested in joining those groups, there's a nice little button under each that hmm. says join. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Hey, Mike, just real quickly, this is Coach again. So if I want to start a group, and you know, I have an interest, and in, I have a I have a small community on, on Facebook. I want to kind of transfer it over to LinkedIn because I want people to see what I'm doing. How do I start a group, and how do I get people to link into my LinkedIn group? Starting a group is pretty simple. You go we go back to that group setting. When you're on the groups page, there's a little wheel on the side for settings, and Right down at the bottom there is the option to create a group. Oh, there you go. Okay. And from there, you just build it. You, you pick a name for the group. You pick a picture. Uh, I recommend that you pick a picture that's not already copyrighted by somebody else. <laughs> 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 and then from there, what is your mission statement? What? What? what why did you want to create the group okay and then once you've done that then you could start inviting the people that are in your network to join the group mm-hmm. hmm. okay sound like the rules need, yeah. need the group <laughs> yes well mike i want to thank you so much because i have a clear understanding of how to use this i can't wait to get home to start tonight um but share with us to our listeners how can people contact you if they want to hire you to help them um, learn this information that we got tonight. I like to tell people that I am very Googleable. Once you know how to spell my name, which is S H E L A H, I'm very easy to find. I have my own website, which is MikeSheila.com. You'll naturally find me on LinkedIn for Mike Sheila. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Sheila. And I have a Facebook page, Mike Sheila Consulting. Awesome. Awesome. So I am. Very easy to engage me. And for your listening audience today, two things. First is anybody listening to the show tonight can go to my website and they can sign up for a free three-page LinkedIn profile review where I will go through their profile. I'll use my top 12 items, many of which we didn't even get to talk about tonight, Mm -hmm. to help them optimize their profile. And then they get my five favorite tips and tricks for engaging the audience and really building a following. Now, does that include yeah. us here? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, well, that is for anybody listening to hear from you. Okay. Yes. That they can just Two sign up times. for free. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Thank you so Thank much, you. sir. Thank, Thank you. you, Mike. Yes. And then on top of that, I have a new program for people that want to hire me. Mm-hmm. And the way the program works is I, they get 30 days of access to me. And what I mean by that is normally I'll do an hour, hour and a half coaching session with someone, and then they don't want to pay for anything else beyond that. So they, they don't follow up. They don't follow through with me. And they don't really get the full impact mm-hmm. of that session. So what I've done is I give people 30-day access. And we start the 30 days with our first, session, which is generally an hour. And in that session, we can go over anything they want. For the next 30 days, they've got me. They have a question. They want to send me an email. They want to pick up the phone. They want to schedule another 30 minutes or another 60 minutes. 
hey, Mike, I made these changes. Take a look at them. Tell me what you think. Whatever they want to do for the next 30 days, I'm here to help. And I charge $2,000 for that 30-day access. For the listeners of your show today, Mm -hmm. anybody that is interested in that program that reaches out to me and says, hey, Mike, I'd love to get your 30-day access, they get it for half price for $1,000. Okay. Wow, that's a good deal. We're going to have list this. Yeah, that's a good deal. It is. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate this. I'm writing this stuff down. It'll be a thousand dollars. I need I need you to put in here, Will and Jody. Put in, so, so <laughs> we go in together. We go in together. Yes, exactly. Well, thank Mike, you so do you much, have a Mike. Plan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Mike, for coming on the show. You gave us a lot of information. Um, hope to have you back on in the future sometime. Absolutely. You guys have been a lot of fun. I'll do this weekly if you need. Oh, thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, thank you, and hope you have a good evening. Yes. Thanks, right. Mike. Good night. Bye-bye. Good, night. good info. Good, good, info. good, good. Yeah, I can't good. wait to get home, for real, so yeah, I can work yeah. this out. I need, I need and I'm going to get him to um, his offer. Yeah, I, I think that's really generous. Already. You already did it? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, Miss Jody, I love to hear your voice. So I need, I We have a letter. plan. That they need our advice, and she really needs our advice. So can you can you can you read this for me? I am, read it loud. Read it proud. I am a 22 year old. My sister's husband. He's 29 years old. I know this is wrong, but there was a day me and my sister's husband have a little fun together. You understand what I mean by fun? Mm-hmm. I mean. Can I say that word? You can say that. Sexual fun. Sexual fun. At first, it was only a post. It was only supposed to be for fun kind of thing. A little ignorant. Okay, but now <laughs> I'm falling in love with him. I'm always thinking about him. I know this is wrong, and that's my sister's man. But if she really knew how I felt, she would divorce this man and bring him to me. Would she? I want to have my baby with him. What do you think I should do? You need to go have several <laughs> seats. Several seats. Shame on you shame 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 this this is what happens when family get involved in relationships (laughs) you are falling in love with your sister's husband so you all not only you all in love you all got together to have fun they have fun and we know as women we don't just sleep with men for fun She's emotionally involved. She is emotionally involved. And he probably, and he probably ain't even thinking about her. He's, not. he's probably no, thinking. She's 22. He probably, and he's 29. Yeah. He's probably thinking, both of y'all? So I never, got, so I get uh, more Say yeses yeah. than yes I get no, because no, there's two of y'all, <laughs> and Cookies. you want to have a baby with him? Yeah. And what yeah. makes you think that's okay? What makes you think that's okay? Well, so, so, so I have an issue with the sister. I have an sh- issue with the sister's husband. And I have an issue with the young... What's the issue with the sister? That you would allow your sister to have fun with your husband? She don't know. Yes, she does know. Well, she knows. Did it say that? Yeah. My sister-husband having a little fun together. 
it to me it sounded like they they all got together no, and no. had sexual fun. No, this is no, fun, no, but there was I, a day me and my sister's husband. Oh, so they she sneaking. She's a little ignorant because, so you this, know, she was tight. Yeah, Wait yeah. a minute. So this is on the down low. It's on the down Yeah. So you are sister sleeping with she your praying, sister's creeping. husband and you think that's okay. And you think that if you tell her, she going to bring him to she you. She said if she would divorce she this gonna man. She's going to rip your tail. <laughs> okay. With, the family is dissolving as we speak, sitting Just here in the studio. Get it. I wish my sister would ever, ever think about <laughs> getting with my husband. But you love her. You love her. I do love her, but we, there are certain things we don't share. And my honey would be the first. And I, I give you my money, but you're not having any of my honey. But, that's your, ab- but your sister that's, was there before he was there. Come that's on absolutely off the table. That's not even up for discussion. Absolutely not. And if that was my sister, I'd whip her tail, and he would be missing an appendage. <laughs> oh, my God. Ooh, I hear you, Lorena. What say you? No, this is wrong on so many different levels. First okay. Of, first of all, I feel like Steve Harvey on the Strawberry Letter. Uh-huh. She starts off saying, I know this is wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. now you Then should, why are you writing us? Yeah. So if you know this is wrong, what do you want me to say? Uh-huh. You're wrong, 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 wrong. Right. It's the wrong, wrong, wrong song. It's just wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you already know you're wrong, why you why you why you emailing me, sending me a note like I'm gonna justify it? Yeah. You're wrong. Okay? And there's there's no nice way to put it. You're wrong. Stop. You love him? That's because you got all the oxytocin flowing. She mm-hmm. don't love okay? him though. No. She loves the feeling that she gets from him. She loves the fact that he you know what? This is a bench warmer who just happens to be happy to be in the game. Yeah, that's okay? all that is. This team owner then 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 created him uh, a situation where he has his his wife who cannot be a star player uh-huh. because if you this see, sounds like a rule is this a mm-hmm. rule this is a rule okay. but, but <laughs> if she was a star player uh-huh. the, the sister would never be an issue uh-huh. so he's he's got either another bench warmer he's married to okay. or he's got a skill player he's married to having other folks on the bench to include to include case, the sister, sister right so this guy he don't care for either one of them absolutely and they both getting played. Mm-hmm. My issue comes with the sister that she don't know. How you not know? She knows because we know. Don't say he don't care for neither one. He of doesn't. Them. No, no. He 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 cares. He don't care for them. He don't care about them. He don't care. He the cares long, about what he cares about getting them needs met. Long, he cares about getting more yeses than noes. More yeses than noes. As long as as long as both of them are supplying the cookie jar conversation, mm-hmm. he's okay. Okay, because if he if he loved them, or I loved it, did it. You know, uh-huh. uh, at tw- first of all, at twenty nine, uh-huh. he don't know enough yet. Okay, he don't know enough. About I'm with love you yet. with that. Yeah. Okay. And she don't either. Twenty two. Twenty two. She she ain't even grown yet. You know, she ain't grown. So uh-huh. yeah, that that that's that's all ganked up. Man, you know? we have to come back to this conversation. We have our next guest. It was a little bit early. Uh, we'll we'll a- take him early. Yes, Mister. Dr. Glenn Livingston, as I was saying, this is our next guest um, who's going to help me with my... The show is all about me tonight. Okay. You know? I have an issue, as you can see. Nikki's always getting bad angles of me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm really working out, really trying to lose weight. But I have an issue with overeating. I have an issue with binge eating. Um, so we have a guest, Dr. Glenn Livingston, um, who's going to talk about... Um, he's, he's written a book, and he actually has a special offer for our listeners today who's going to talk about it. But I want to welcome to the show right now... Um, who's going to talk to us about this, Dr. Glenn Livingston. How are you, sir? I'm very good. I'm delighted to be here. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. So let's just jump right in. Can you explain to everyone, um, number one, who who you are, 
And then why is this so important to you? I know you had a personal experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my name is Dr. Will Livingston. I'm a psychologist by training. And um, I was also a rather serious binge eater. Mm -hmm. You, I would have been diagnosed in my youth as an exercise bulimic, mm. which means that I would like I would work out a lot in order to eat, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't like to purge. I couldn't really stick my finger down my throat, although I kind of tried when I was that age. Um, but I discovered that if I worked out a couple hours a day, I could eat whatever I wanted to and remain sane. And what happened was that as I got married and got into graduate school and had patients and responsibilities. I was a couple of therapists. I found it difficult to make enough time to work out, but it was almost impossible to stop eating all the things that I love to eat. Mm-hmm. And I would be sitting with my patients and I would be thinking about when is the next time I can go eat a whole pizza or, you know, a box of snack wells or something like that. Interesting. Um, and I, I felt it really wasn't fair to my patients. And, um, you know, so I looked for help. And being a psychologist in a family of 17 psychologists and social workers and therapists, I, I had access to all of the best people in New York. And um, I went through a lot of years trying to figure it out. I, you know, I, I tried to figure out what was wrong with me from my past. And I, at one point that maybe I had an unusual disease and I went to Overeaters Anonymous for a long time. And, um, you know, things helped to one degree or another, but nothing really took away the obsession. And I kept gaining weight um, to the point that the doctors were yelling at me about my triglycerides and telling me I was going to be dead by the time I hit 40. And um, I, I even, because, no, I don't, I don't have children and I don't commute. So I've always worked at home and I've had two rather successful careers. My, my other career is as a marketing consultant for Fortune 100 companies, mm-hmm. many of whom were in the food industry. Um, and so I actually commissioned my own research study, having learned how to do that through my consulting work. And we did a research study with 40,000 people looking at the relationship between personality and food preference. And I, I found out a lot of interesting things, but none of it really worked. Mm-hmm. None of it really worked. Um, and I eventually eventually found a solution, which was kind of a derivative of something that I learned in the addictive field. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about exactly what that was. It's very simple and not what a sophisticated psychologist like me you'd think would come up with. Um, but I kind of stumbled upon it and it worked really well. And, um, I guess that's what I'm here to talk about. So, okay. So, so Dr. Glenn, why do you feel overeating, stress eating and binge eating are so prevalent in our culture? I I think there are two reasons. Mm -hmm. The first reason is that there were no chocolate bars on the Savannah, right? We, we did not evolve with the type of, you know, hyper palatable, ultra-calorically dense, um, over-advertised, delicious food that hits all of our evolutionary buttons. Exactly. We're not really made to live with that. Mm -hmm. And and there are billions of dollars put into 
figuring out how to put the most calories in the smallest space with the most attractive packaging. And there are many more dollars put into advertising and programming us to believe that that's really what we're supposed to eat from the time that we're little. I, I remember seeing a study that children are exposed to something like 5,000 food messages on TV mm-hmm. each year, and not one of them is for fruit and vegetables. Mm. So that, that's the problem. Right? We're, we're facing um, an industry that is really, really, it's, it's in their best interest to get us to eat these things and to get us to eat them addictively. Um, there's not really enough regulation to, to stop them. Even when there is regulation, they get around it. And, um, you know, it, it can all be beaten, but you have to know what you're up against and you have to kind of say, whoa, do I want to take the red pill or the blue pill? And, you know, do I really want to face reality here or do I want to go along with the crowd? And so that's why it's so trouble. That's the first reason. And the, the other reason is that the addiction industry, the addiction treatment industry really says that we can't help ourselves. And the best we can do is, con- is control it one day at a time and, mm-hmm. you know, progress that perfection and you should have guidelines and not rules and, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of do the best you can. And it, it turns out that's not really the psychology of winning in other fields. And when you combine that with what the food industry is doing, it's, it's really a disaster. It's a disastrous combination. And there are so many people out there today who feel like their life is overtaken by food. They just can't help it. Okay. I have a question, Dr. Livingston. This is Jody. Um, how do you know that you have a problem? What are some of the signs? Well, there's really one sign which is that you consistently eat beyond your best judgment. I, I think that, you know, we could look at, um, we could look like at a sign of other, a set of other symptoms like, um, you know, do you constantly think about food? Do you sneak food? Do you, um, do you eat non-nutritious food to the exclusion of, healthy food that you know that you should be eating, so at the end of the day, you're still hungry for something healthy. Mm. Um, do you do you hide your food from your friends and relatives? Do you feel ashamed of what you're eating? There are a lot of other like little checklists we could come up with a test. There's actually a test on my website. Um, but the main thing is, do you consistently eat beyond your best laid plan? And if you do, then you have a bit of a problem if that takes over your life, if you're the kind of person where you feel like you've lost days at a time because you've eaten so much, almost like there were a gun to your head and someone forcing you to dislodge your jaw and empty the debt bill and step it into it, um, then, you know, you're kind of bordering on what we would call serious binge eating. And um, that's the kind of problem that I had. Um, but really most Americans can benefit from if, if they feel like they're eating beyond their best judgment. Okay. So, uh, Dr. Livingston, I presume. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Coach Ellis. All right, so I'm listening to you, and I'm trying to figure out if I, if I got an issue, right? I like to eat. That just, you know, I just like to eat. And so healthy, unhealthy, if it's food and it's edible, anything but vegetables, it's good stuff. So... For those of us that just have a healthy appetite for food, where is the line drawn at? 
You know, I don't hide food. Well, well, I'm very proud of it. I don't hide food, but I'll eat whatever you folks put in front of me that's edible. Well, I mean, you know, God made us with healthy appetites so that we would survive, right? I mean, it's it's part of being human. We need to be more interested in our next meal than sitting and staring at the sunset. Um, and so it's it's part of being a healthy human to have healthy appetites. So you're right to ask the question. And what I've found is that most people have studied enough, they've read enough diet books and they kind of have an idea of, you know, what's a healthy day of eating to define for themselves what a healthy plan is. And I suggest that people take the time to actually write that out, you know, in unambiguous terms. What does it mean to you to have a healthy day of eating? You know, what, what are the... What are the rules that you are unconsciously trying to follow in order to eat well? And the more clearly you define that for yourself, the better you're going to know when you have a problem, when you're over the line or not. Mm -hmm. Part of the issue that we have is that everybody's looking to someone else to define what's healthy for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a bunch of controversy in the in the literature about exactly what we're supposed to eat, but but when it comes down to it, everybody really kind of knows what they're supposed to eat. They kind of know what a healthy day is and what a, what a healthy day is, and they just haven't taken the time to really define that for themselves. And so it's the definition that really resolves the problem that you're talking about. Like drawing a clear line in the sand so that you know when you're um, behind it or over it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. So how do we create healthy eating habits in our children without causing them to be um, anxious about developing an eating disorder? Well, the first step is to really resolve your own relationship with food. Um, and so if you, the, the essence of what I suggest to people is that they create a plan for themselves and then they kind of recognize that they're always of two minds. There's the part of them that wants to follow the plan, and then there's the kind of devil on their shoulder, or um, some people call it their inner slacker, or I call it my inner pig. Yeah, okay, okay. But, but there, there's that little inner demon that we all have to live with that's trying to talk us out of it. And, and you know, like my, my inner my inner pig will tell me that chocolate is a vegetable. If I say, well, I never eat chocolate, it'll tell me that chocolate is really a vegetable because it grows, grows <laughs> it cocoa, is. cocoa beans grow to plants and blah, Absolutely. Blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and if you, if you get real clarity about <clears throat> what your food plan is, like, what is, it, what is it that you never do? What is it that you always do? What is it that you only do under certain conditions? And what can you do in an unrestricted way? If you develop a plan with that kind of clarity, and then you listen very carefully for that inner demon, there's a, um, there's a freedom that starts to evolve because you recognize, you start to recognize that demon and you can ignore it. Before you couldn't really hear it because your plan wasn't clear enough. And so I, I call everything that that little demon says, I call it pig squeal, and I call everything that's <laughs> off my plan. It's just, I call it pig squeal, and I call anything that's off my plan, I call it pig slop. 
and I don't eat pig slop, and I don't listen to farm animals to tell me what to eat, and that's that. And when you adjust your psychology to function like that, there's a freedom that results that removes your own food obsession. You suddenly recognize there is this crazy little voice inside of you that was you know, sneaking these thoughts past you and, you know, getting mm-hmm. you to eat without thinking. Mm-hmm. And then you felt out of control. And as a consequence of feeling out of control, you have all this crap running around in your head saying, should I eat this? Should I eat that? Should I eat too much? Shouldn't I eat too much? And all of a sudden, it just becomes crystal clear and the obsession vanishes. And when the obsession is gone, your children will see that you have a normal relationship with food. Mm-hmm. You're... Mm-hmm. You're eating regular amounts without guilt. You're developing, a, you know, the body and, and health health goals that you really want to achieve. And more than more than anything, you tell them children are going to children are going to follow what you do. So you can tell them, well, gee, you know, it's okay to have a little bit of chocolate now and then, but you know, don't have more than a half a bar, and you know, only have it after you have your salad. You can tell them all those things. Really, what they're looking at is what, what are you doing and what feelings are you portraying about the role that food plays in your life, and that, that's what they're going to pick up. All right, so so Dr. Glenn, I, I heard you say that um, you know reasonable portions and normal sizes—that's so subjective. I mean, <laughs> you know, if I'm a bigger guy, a normal a normal uh, helping for me is a little different than say someone who weighs a hundred pounds. So that sounds real subjective. And how are we supposed to follow a plan that, that basically says I can do what I want to do as long as I don't feel bad about it? Well, you need to make it objective for yourself. Each person has to customize it for itself. So I'm a bigger guy too, Will. I'm, I'm, you know, about 205 and I'm six foot four. Um, and I work and I work out a lot still. So I, I know what you mean. Um, but if you talk to a nutritionist or, you know, you, there are a lot of websites you can go on these days to look up what a reasonable portion is for someone your size. And, you know, you can get, a, um, get an estimation of, you know, about how many calories you should have for a day to maintain and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of ways to do that. I mean, some people say, like, a portion of protein should be the size of your fist. And bigger guys like you and I are going to have bigger fists, right? And so... You, you can you can work it out like that. Um, and, the, and the other way, Will, is to judge by the results. So let's say you decide that a portion is whatever fits on your plate and you don't go back for seconds. I've heard some people use that kind of a rule. Um, and then you try that for a month or two and, you know, you see that um, maybe you're losing too much weight and so you need to allow yourself to go back for a half a plate per second or something like that, and you make the judgment. Um, the, the thing is that most people don't take the time to think through, you know, how to objectify it for themselves, and they never make that rule, and therefore their inner slacker or the fat girl inside them or their inner pig really takes control at mealtime. And during moments of temptation, if we haven't made the decisions beforehand, willpower is a fatigable muscle, and we're very prone to listen to our inner pigs, and um, we get in trouble. Mm. So the whole well, thing... Well, I, well, I don't think anybody should starve themselves. That's, that's the problem in the first place. That's what I'm talking about. The, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I think that's a great point. One should never <laughs> starve themselves. Yeah. I can't see diving for birds. And that's really what the research suggests sets off the binge cycle. It's almost like there's an evolutionary mechanism inside of us that says if there are these periods of starvation, then at the other periods when food is available, we better take in as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Stored like a camel. Yeah. That's the problem. I'm a camel. That's the problem. So, Dr. Glenn, the whole thing is the whole process of stopping binge eating and overeating. It sounds complicated. Is it? It's really not. It's it's really not. Um, You know, all of the years that I looked into what happened in my upbringing and, um, you know, I was trying to figure out if there a nutritional deficit, those are all factors. But the primary factor is this crazy voice we have inside of us. <laughs> and it, it really is. And, and the problem is when you go to a shrink or you go to a, um, you know, you go to a therapist, that voice inside you says, you know what? You're doing some good work with that therapist. And that's really interesting what you found out about your mom, you know, giving you chocolate instead of love when you were a kid. And until we figure out how to fill that hole inside of you, you've got to smile well uh-huh. and so And so dealing with the voice becomes primary. Mm-hmm. And all that other stuff, you know, I, like I, I'm a psychologist, and I think soul-searching is really important, and I think it plays a role. But it's not the primary role, and the mistake most people make is to complicate the whole matter by trying to figure out why first. But you don't, you don't have to know why. And you don't have to wait until you figure out why your mom and daddy didn't love you enough. You can just stop. Mm. Wow. Okay. So, Dr. Glenn, um, is it really possible once you've stopped binging to never binge again? Well, I want to talk to you about the psychology of winning. Okay. It's an odd thing in our culture that everybody cringes when you say, I'm never going to binge again and I'm never going to do this or that again. Right. And when you talk to athletes, if they are going to finish a marathon or they're going to climb a mountain or they're going to finish the Tour de France, what they do is they visualize themselves on top of the mountain at the finish line, um, you know, victorious. And they concentrate on that vision so that they can purge all of the notions of doubt and insecurity from their mind because all that that doubt and insecurity does is distract them and waste energy that could be put towards the goal. And so I called my book Never Binge Again because you always want to have the goal of a perfect commitment to never binge again. You really want to say, I will be at that finish line. Whatever it takes, I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. Now, as a practical matter, we all know that people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you do make a mistake, then what you want to do is just analyze what happened, see if you need to make any adjustments, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and get up and do it again. Mm -hmm. But... The appropriate attitude to have, the appropriate mindset, is that I'm never going to binge again, even though it might be that you fall down, even though we know that it might be you fall down. Because if, if, if you were going to do the opposite, if you were going to say, well, I'm just going to do the best I can one day at a time, progress not perfection, what that really means is I'm going to try until I don't feel like it anymore. Okay. And, and that's why people have so much trouble. They, they don't realize that it's possible to be perfectly committed 
even though we know that we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that um, the a lot of people refuse to do that because they said they're going to feel too guilty afterwards. But they don't realize that that's the pig making them feel guilty to, to weaken them so that they're going to binge more. The purpose of guilt is just to, it's kind of like if you touch a hot stove, you're supposed to feel pain for a minute. It's good to feel pain for a minute to draw attention to what mistakes you might have made. Right. But it's not good to obsess about the pain and dwell on the pain and you know, try to make yourself hurt more. It's just better to pay attention to what happened and then move on. And so if you really understand that, then there's no reason not to say, I, I will never binge again. And really what you're saying is I'm never going to binge again until I never binge again, or I'm going to keep climbing until I reach the top of that mountain. Mm. Makes sense. Yes. So Dr. Glenn, how can people learn more about this? Well, I, I wrote a book, and in the United States, it's free on Amazon. Um, if you go to if you go to neverbingeagain.com and sign up for the reader bonuses, you'll get directed to the latest copy of the free book for the Amazon or the Nook. If you're outside of the United States, just uh, send me an email through the contact form, and I will send you a PDF copy. Uh, make sure you make sure you sign up for the reader bonuses there because you'll hear full coaching sessions, so you can actually see the process and actually kind of talk about it theoretically today. And you get a whole bunch of food plan starter templates to address some of the things that Will was talking about, about, you know, how do you define what a portion is and, um, you know, what if you're a paleo, what if you're vegetarian, what if you're a calorie counter, there are a whole bunch of starter templates to, to get you moving. Cool, excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on, sharing this information. Um, and we hopefully, hopefully you come back. Yeah, please do. I, I would love to come back. This was fun. Yes. That's awesome, awesome. Hope you have a good evening, and thanks again. Thank you, Will. Thanks. Good night. Yeah, that was interesting. Really good. It was. I like really to eat, good. so I'm, I'm scared. Okay, let's get back to this letter. <laughs> so I have a question for you. This I know this is talking about, you know, uh, uh, a sister and a sister and a man. So would you never date someone that your friend used to date? No, I would not. And Ever. I, no. And I've had the opportunity. Ever in the life. Okay. Well, let me say this. If I had a, a female friend mm -hmm. and she dated a man mm -hmm. and all they did was date mm -hmm. and they realized that it wasn't going to work out and they were remaining friends mm -hmm. and nothing else happened, she I could. friend. Hush. I could consider it. But if there were no cookie jar conversations, but if friend. there were cookie jar conversations and there were some deep feelings there, absolutely not. Wouldn't do it. And what, is that a pride thing? What, what is the, what is it's it? just the co it's just the code, oh, especially there's, if, a, there's a code. For oh that. yeah, especially if they're if, especially if she's my if she's my sister friend and she's in that circle. Okay, absolutely not. I would hmm. not. It's okay. not even up. It's not even up for discussion. And I've had the opportunity to do so. Really? Mm -hmm. And you passed it. What, passed. What, did they ask for a reason why? Or you told them about the code? He knew. He knew. He knew. He knew about this code. Mm -hmm. so he must have not been the one because he was the one. All of them codes go out. The he wasn't the one for me. Okay. So, Coach Ellis, I'm going to have to phrase yours differently. Statue of limitations. <laughs> <laughs> Statue of limitations. Give, so, it, give, it, give it two months, 90, 60 days. That's a shame. And, and are, are, you, are you through? Are you FRU? Are y'all through? Uh -huh. Wait a minute. Y'all through. But give, open give, game. Give, them, give them 60 days to get them out your system completely in every type of way. Uh -huh. 
It, but if, what if this That's is your boy thing. and he's your boy and he's been your boy since high school? All right, so so let's go back to one of the rules. Uh-huh. Guys are not your friends, ladies. The only time we're your friends is if we messed up so bad we can't be anything else. Uh, we don't <laughs> like women, or you've been intimately involved with a friend with with someone close to us, a, a brother, a cousin, a friend, or a father, other than our mom. That it. That you're off limits, but there's a statute of limitations to that one. Okay. When the statute of limitations runs out, it's game on. I've had I have male friends, and we are simply male friends, and I'm not interested with being in being with him, and he is not interested in being with me. Okay. Doc, you know I love you, but them <laughs> lies. I'm, he he no, you may be, he may be your friend to you, but I'm but not to his him. Friend. You are not his friend. You are potential. Oh, no. Or everything else. That's gross. It, it, it can be as gross as it want to be. Don't make it not true. That's gross. Your potential. I don't want them type of friends. You don't want those things. No, that's gross. Because then you're always on the prowl. You're always on the hunt trying to see when you can make your move. Mm-hmm. No. No, we're, wait, we're, wait, we're waiting for you to have that, that weak moment. I'm not going to. And, well, at some juncture in your life, you're going to get to that place where you're going to need to, in case of emergency, break glass. Okay? That's the iceberg. I want to be the iceberg. Case emergency, break glass. I'm here. I'm here for you, boo. <laughs> Hit on my shoulder, cry. Tell me, I'm making investments all these years. As you tell me all about them guys, how they dogged you out. I'm the one main. You setting it up. Uh-huh. I'm just waiting. Uh-huh. One day you go, you're gonna have that moment. You're gonna look into my eyes when you're crying, uh-huh. and it and it's gonna magic's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That music is gonna come in. And... That's gonna yeah. be fireworks, all right. But yeah. it will not be magic. <laughs> so yeah, it's. So no, okay. but so just so you know, it's a statute of limitation. Okay. Now, I um, agree with you. Yeah. Now, you agree coach. with coach? Yeah. It's not really a statute of limitations either for me. So if it's your boy, it it doesn't matter. My my last relationship, who lasted sixteen years, he was dating my best friend. Currently. Yeah, because when they done, they done. They done. Yeah, I, mean, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew how my friends were. You know, it was nothing serious on the end. They showed interest. I was interested. Oh, wow. When we done And we was cool with it. I mean, we hung out the next day. So yeah, y'all were cool. cool. Yeah, See, it, cool. it wouldn't be like that for a girl. Okay, y'all jealous. That oxytocin be flowing. That bonding hormone be happening. And guys be like, you know, if you're done. Cause you're once, done. Right, exactly. Are you F-R-U? Are you fru? Are you fru? fru then, then That's it's my open. new word. I don't care. <laughs> don't, don't use that, Will. Don't, 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 Will. I don't care if you were dating my brother. If y'all are done. That is you are nasty. Done. Oh that is God. so disgusting. Oh my gosh. Never. Well, Never. I need to repent. No, <laughs> yes, you do. I got oh. some oil in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sling some on you. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. disgusting. Yeah. That's so, disgusting. So, and see, the problem is mm-hmm. that when, when ladies think about this, uh-huh. they talk to their girlfriends about it, and all of them think like women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, stop thinking like that. Because I'm a woman. <laughs> it's okay for you to think like that, but but think a guy we only think twice about it. Mm-hmm. That's because you're so nasty. No, that's because we know that that he can't be my boy if he got bad taste. Mm-hmm. He got good taste. He just wasn't the right one. Mm-hmm. So you you upgraded to me. I'm okay with that. Gotcha. He okay with that. I'm with it. I can't. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. I can't. Where my where my sisters at? <laughs> Where my sister? They sit back saying amen to coach. That's all they Yeah, know. right. Okay. Okay. So y'all heard about your boy LeBron, right? So he um allegedly what well, they were saying that he's never really talked about 
um, his motivation, who is Michael Jordan. Uh, let's let's just listen to what he said during the interview. Oh, we don't want me? this part. We have to take the good and the bad, so it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna clear up. Is this the commercial. This is the commercial. Yeah. What do you want, Todd? A commercial, which I love, by the way. I know, it's funny. I butt dial people all the time. Yeah, you be That's making them booty calls. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I keep my phone in my pocket. Yeah. yeah. We just met like two months ago. Man, this guy, LeBron James. Uh, you think he could be better than Michael? I do think he. Uh, I thought, and I thought, throw this water on you the, right now. No, no, listen, Kenneth. Hey, Kenneth, listen. I, I always look at guys from my era. Like I thought, I would never compare somebody to Michael Jordan, but this guy, LeBron James, from a, a basketball, like he does everything well. He like he. What did what didn't Michael do well? He he. Michael did everything well. LeBron James just bigger, stronger, mm -hmm. faster. That's the only difference. But Mike, I said, Michael Jordan always said, Michael Jordan had the, the perfect body. 6'6", 225. Mm -hmm. Can I run, <laughs> I jump, Sorry. tough, everything? Said, this other guy is 6'8", 260. Who's 6'8"? I mean, we've never LeBron. had a guy. Is he? That's like, too you, big. You mentioned Scotty. I mean, he's too tall. Scotty, yeah, Scotty <laughs> could guard a point guard. But Scotty was 6'7", uh -uh. 220. This other guy is 6'8", 260. He guards power forward. He plays power forward. I mean, this guy has the most unique body set. He's kind of like Magic playing the point. You're like, wow, this is six nine point guard. But all that you saw, I didn't buy it. I still think I just, I, I just didn't buy it. I, don't I think look he at it. He needs to get Michael. six championships. I don't, I don't think he, he also needs, has to get six He doesn't need to. Yeah, that's right. He's yeah, got to win the title. Yeah, but I don't think he needs seven. to be compared to Michael. Michael was much better offensively with a low post game with his shooting. Michael was a different kind of player. But this guy defensively may be more versatile than anybody other than or since Scottie Pippen. And, and you're right. He's bigger and stronger than Scottie. But I think they're different. I, I totally think they're different. Go ahead. I mean, I think, Kenny, when you start looking at it, I understand what you're saying compared to Michael. But have you, when you start looking at molds, you don't think he's the first of his mold of a small forward slash point guard, but biggest car Malone, being able to be that, that athletic. I just feel that Michael never played on a team, same way Kobe, this is why Kobe as well got this luxury, this luxury that LeBron has. He never played on a team where anybody on the court got double teamed but him. These two he, guys played, he played with Shaq. No, Kobe's played with Shaq. That's what he's saying. Who got double teamed. He's playing with Dwayne Wade. Mm. Michael never played with a player that would get double teamed. So you had to carry that offensive load for an entire career, not just a season, an entire career, and then on the other end be first team all defensive play. There's no one going to ever be like that because they won't, none of these guys, as we talked about earlier about these super teams, nobody will ever have that burden put on them that Michael Jordan have the way things are being constructed okay so after this um LeBron went on record and he made a statement he said that um basically he owes it he he his motivation is he said is this ghost that I'm chasing the ghost um pretty much the 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 legend or the history of Michael Jordan um who led the Bulls to six titles James has admired Jordan since he was a kid and and um, reveres him to this day. It says James typically sidestep questions about being um, asked about Jordan's company. Um, and this 31 year old, I didn't know he's 30, 31 years old, um, is hoping to build on 
Jordan's resume. So I want to ask each of you, is there anyone that you admire as much or someone that you owe your success to? You feel like you owe your success to? My professional success or my personal? Or hmm. both? Choose. Okay. So I'll, I'll do both really okay. quickly. So my personal my yeah. personal success, I would say my parents. Um, how, how so? Because, you know, I grew up in a in a small place mm-hmm. in southwestern Virginia mm-hmm. where there were not a lot of people who looked like me. Okay. And there were a lot of lessons that we had to learn early on. But my dad lived by treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And you don't, reach, you don't treat people the way they treat you. Mm-hmm. You treat them the way you want to be treated. And you always operate from a place of character and integrity and those are the things that have gotten me where I am they've kept me out of a lot of trouble and they've helped me make peace with my own space in the world Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say um, so I contribute who I am as a woman uh, especially more so to my mother but as a person to both of my parents and professionally I've had I it's sad but I have not had a lot of professional people mentor me, oh, um, even though I've sought that until recently. And um, he's a guy out of Boca Raton, Florida, and his name is Omar Periu. And he has really just taken me under his wing and changed my paradigm about business, about entrepreneurship, about coaching, about giving back to people, becoming a reproducer of reproducers and giving back to people what what's been placed in me. And one of the things that he said to me that was so powerful, it's not about the millions you're going to make, Jody. It's about who you become by making those millions. And that goes back to the lessons I learned about operating in a place of honesty with character character, and integrity always. Coach? Well, personally, it's my dad. Your dad? Uh, Hands down. Okay. If I could be half the man Mm -hmm. my dad is, I'd be 5, 10, 20 times better than I am now. And I'm a great man already, mm-hmm. so I mean, it, it, it's my it's my dad, hands down. Uh, professionally, um, there are a couple things because I've done several things. Mm-hmm. But it, it, uh, Elijah Mitchell, who, mm. who who was my pastor, um, I've learned so much about how to care for people and how to help lead people in 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 the faith walk from him. Um, as a coach, uh, Dr. Joe Umidi at Regent University, oh, love him. Okay. Absolutely, positively remarkable yes. coach trainer, um, and his entire job, transformational life team, uh, absolutely. And uh, as a speaker, I'd say it was a combination of uh, Mark Victor Hansen, mm-hmm. the Chicken Soup fame, and um, and Willie Jolly, mm. who who really gave us an opportunity when we when we were well, when we were nobody. To just hang out with them, go to Dallas, sit in, among the Giants, which includes Zig Ziglar and, and Les Brown, those guys, sit among the Giants and just glean mm-hmm. and have them uh, pour into us and have them impart into us what they thought uh, what we could do to uh, in the speaking world. So those are the, those are the shoulders I stand. On. And what I realize is that I cannot be who I need to be, who I'm supposed to be without recognizing those who sacrifice mm-hmm. so that others can stand on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. In our generation, Absolutely. in our generation, we've lost this idea of legacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's all about me that we're not allowing people to stand on us. We, we're, we're too busy saying people are stepping on us. Mm-hmm. And really, they have to step on us to, to stand, stand on us. us. And we have to get back to that place.
So I hope that someday somebody will say that about me, that they, they, were, they were able to stand on my shoulders because they stepped on me. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. For me, it would have to be um, the number one person that I admire hands down is my brother, my little brother, um, Dr. Terrell Strayhorn. You should Google him. This guy is amazing. If, and I don't want to get teary-eyed, so I'm going to stop for a second. Catch my breath. Okay. Um, he's just, I, I mean, I, I had front row seat in watching him develop. And when we were little kids, um, growing up, talking about what we were going to be when we grow up, mm-hmm. everything that this little, this kid's saying, he's 39. He's not, you know. Little, I, I still refer to him as my Cause little brother because he's my, my baby he's brother. brother. He has done everything. And in record time. Um, he's been the first at so many things. He travels the country now, the world, really speaking to other people, um, primor- prim- primarily um, black collegians about how to achieve. Um, he's a professor at the Ohio State University. Um, he's done TED Talks before. He traveled. I mean, he's just amazing. So I would have the old, because he really, it was reversed. You know, I'm the older brother. I'm supposed to set the stage for him. He's really inspired me to go back. To, he's the reason I came back to school. Awesome. Um, and then the next person would be my grandmother. She always, she's always been my cheerleader. She's, she's, she's not here on earth with me anymore, but, um, she's always encouraged me when I was setting goals and talk about what I want to do. She said, well, if anyone's ever done it, you can definitely do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, no one, no one's ever done it. She said, well, you'd be the first one to do it. So she's always been there for me and I really admire her. So those would be the two people. That's good, awesome. Good, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. So this is my favorite part where I get to find out exactly more about you guys. I just want you to be honest, open, Ruh-roh. and this is, <laughs> and this is this is the part where it, it gets a little serious. I just want to hear, you know, a little bit about each of you. Okay, so I'm gonna start with you. What terrifies you the most? <clears throat> dying, and well, not dying, uh-huh. because I know where I'm going, uh-huh. but dying, not have fully walked out my purpose mm-hmm. and made the deposits in the earth that God created me to make. And not reaching the people that I'm assigned to. That frightens me. Yeah, not reaching your potential. Mm-hmm. What would stop that? Do you feel like me. you're on track? Oh, I absolutely am. Mm-hmm. I absolutely am. And it's it's interesting because my mother um, recently passed away in March uh-huh. of this year. And um, her dying has given me a freedom mm-hmm. that I've never experienced before. And... That has been a part of helping me get back on track to what I know I'm called to in the earth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your grandmother was your biggest cheerleader. My yeah. mom was my biggest cheerleader. And there was nothing I could not do in my mother's eyes. Mm-hmm. And she, but she really believed that. Mm-hmm. And so I came to believe it because she believed so much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, her dying got me to the cliff and I jumped and I realized that the wings I have mm-hmm. that she and my dad have given me are big enough to carry me. Yeah. And I can soar with those wings. And so, so throughout life, she was preparing you the whole time. Those little lessons that yeah. I didn't get then, mm-hmm. like, have just really been the foundation to me launching out who, who I really am. And loving myself unconditionally mm-hmm. and unapologetically loving who I am and living my life. Living awesome. my life. Yeah. So that's my greatest fear. Coach. Yes. So you you were talking about your dad. Yeah. And all that he's done to pour into your life. So tell tell me, how do you define manliness? What's your definition of that? What does that mean to you? I think manhood Mm -hmm. and manliness is about um, being real. Okay. Okay. It's relevant, empowered, authentic, and legacy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And I don't think you you can be a, a real man if you're not each one of those individually and collectively. Okay. Being relevant really means that that what I do matters. Mm-hmm. Whether I, whether I'm a garbage man or I'm the, I'm the president of the United States, that what I do matters. Mm-hmm. And since we have this idea of connectivity, everybody's connected to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think Martin Luther King said, you know, if you're going to be a garbage man, be the best garbage man. Exactly. You know, there's a biblical principle about giving your best no matter what you do. So being relevant is making sure that I am, I am positioned to do the one thing in the earth that I was designed to do that nobody else is called to do. So being relevant, being empowered means that I understand, um, I understand who I am and understand why I was chosen for that. Mm-hmm. With all of my gifts, talents, abilities, skills, personality set, understanding that. Being authentic means that that who I am and what I who I am and why I am determines what I do, not the other way around. Too many of us are busy being human doings. Mm-hmm. We have not never beings. been human beings. We've never become who, who we're supposed to become. And final the final part is that we leave the legacy. You know, what we we have left the earth better than we found it. Mm-hmm. Somebody when I die Somebody's going to know two, three, four, five generations past my death mm-hmm. that they've been impacted by my life. That's manhood. I like that. Okay. So, Jody, we, you were talking earlier about this empire mm-hmm. that you want to build. So, with everything that you're doing, okay. you're in school, you're working on your PhD. Mm-hmm. So, what's the next big step that you need to make? Um, my my business is brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. I think that's that's the the next step for me because it's getting to the point where I have to do something different, not more, but something different in order for, for everything that I know I'm supposed to have to come. Mm -hmm. And I think that's my step of faith. You know, I think that's my action step to, to, for the empire to actually manifest. Yeah. Coach, I'm going to ask you the question I asked her earlier. What terrifies you the most? Me. (laughs) (laughs) Living life beneath my potential and uh, beneath my inheritance. Okay. What scares me the most is dying quietly. Mm. Okay. I like that. When, when, when what does I, that mean? I heard someone say that, that when it comes into my life, I don't want to go silently into the night. Mm-hmm. I want to come to the end screaming and yelling my hair on fire, screeching to the halt and saying, "Woo, what a ride. Mm-hmm. I want to, when I die, I want to leave it all here. Mm-hmm. I want to, I already told the kids, you're not getting my millions. I'm spending everything, okay? I won't take away your your desire or your, your need, necessity to build your own. So what scares me the most is dying quietly. Mm-hmm. I want folks to know I am designed to impact the world. Right. If I don't do that, I will die silently. And that scares me. Mm-hmm. I like that. I have a um a quote. Mm-hmm. It says when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a single bit of talent left and could say I used everything you gave me. And it's by Irma Bombeck. That that would be it for me. Yeah. Do you operate like that? I do. Uh, to the best of my okay. ability. Okay. To the best of my ability. Abs- absolutely. Okay. To the best of my ability. Okay. Yeah. I think what terrified to answer that question myself is just settling for being average. Mm. Mm. And I think so often I just, I do that. I catch myself doing that because there's so many things I want to do 
that I'll I'll overtake too many things and I'll it's just human. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? That I just I <laughs> it's, I can't I can't handle it all. So I to get things done, I'll just do enough to get by, mm. and I just I don't want to settle for being just average. Mm-hmm. Someone on Facebook says they um I'm so proud of Coach Ellis. I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Luca Griffin. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you, Determinator. Who do you depend on the most? Wow. Outside of God. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have that person? I do. You do. I do. You, so you just have. Okay, I, I see that face. You're glowing. So you you, you have that person. Wow. She done lit the whole room. <laughs> up, man. You see it? I need some shade. Yeah. She done lit the whole I, room. That's wild. I do, and that person challenges me every day. Okay. To show up, to get up, to be my best, mm-hmm. to learn, to grow, to continue to become greater. And um, at this point in my life, um, I would say that they're probably my biggest cheerleader since my mom is no longer on the earth. And it is an amazing thing to have that person, to be connected to that person, but to also watch where that person is going and to watch the same expectation that they have of me that they're living out. I watch that smile. Yeah, that, that ain't gonna be. Don't, yeah. ask me, don't ask me that question. I can't smile like okay. that. Don't ask me that all right. question. <laughs> Let me change it up a little bit for you. So, Coach, throughout all life's you know, ups and downs and twists and turns, who has always been there for you? Oh, mom and dad have always been there for me. Mom and dad. Mom and dad has always been there for me. Okay. Um, Elijah, mm-hmm. uh, Mitchell has always been there. My best friend, Malcolm, mm-hmm. who lives here in town, has always been there. So, I have a group of folks who've always been there. So, you have that support group. It, yeah, and... And, and I'm just a firm believer that we get back what we give. Mm-hmm. So there are a group of folks who, I, it doesn't matter what they do, they can go and they can rob a bank, they can do whatever. I'm going to be there for them. Won't validate their, won't validate their, their wrongdoing, but I'll be there for them and help them pick up the pieces and cover. I just happen to think that whether it's people call it karma, whether it's the law of reaping and sowing, mm-hmm. uh, that it comes back to me. So I have a group of folks who I depend upon um, to pick me up when I fall and to hold me accountable when I get too big for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a part of that, holding him accountable. Do you hold him accountable? Coach Ellis and I have an interesting relationship. Uh-huh. It, it I is, heard. Yeah. It, I mean, but he's very supportive. I am very supportive. Uh-huh. I Because he how he sees, he's a visionary. Uh-huh. So he may not always know how he's getting to that vision, but he can see the vision. Uh-huh. True. I I come alongside him to help him communicate that and to put the pieces together so he gets there. Mm-hmm. And it it just happened very organically. It, it happened very organically. I would say we have a good relationship. We go at it sometimes. Yeah. But I she but likes at, to be wrong. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but uh-huh. I, I got his back. You do. Yeah. Absolutely. That's one thing I can be very grateful. I think God has placed a, a group of people in my life. Because uh-huh. uh, I'm a visionary. I, details bother me. Mm-hmm. They and really I need details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like that as well. He, oh yeah, he yeah. doesn't ever have them. I, I don't need them, and <laughs> and well, let me rephrase that. If if I have to get them, they won't get done. So right. so God has brought people into my life who can do the detail for. Us. So I I give them the bones. They put the meat on the bones, yeah. and and then they they cover it with skin and make it look pretty. Yeah, okay. that that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. My final question for both of you is: What are the top three things that distract you from fully enjoying your life and living your life? 
I'm gonna let you take that first, Coach. I no, need a second. I, I, I need you on, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow you. Um, I think sometimes, like you, Will, I take on more than I should uh-huh. because I'm a helper by nature. Uh-huh. Um, I like to help. I That's like your to, gift. It is. That's okay. one of my gifts. Okay. Um, so I would definitely say taking on more than I should. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say sometimes I get distracted by my own dreams. What does that mean? Um, I can be so consumed with the idea of what I want to do and mm-hmm. what I want to become mm-hmm. that I don't put a plan in place to get okay. there. Okay. Um, and so I'm becoming much better at articulating what I need to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think the third one is, um, I don't know. I'd have to think. Mm-hmm. Those are those are my top two right now. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm going to echo because for me, I have a thousand things going on at the same time. And so my plate is always full. Mm-hmm. So part of what, what distracts me is the full plate and trying to balance. You know, I don't have any rubber balls or all glass balls. And I try to make sure that what I do is important. So I don't, you know, some things you can't, can't drop being a parent, can't drop, you know, can't drop being going to nine to five. And even though my nine to five would be an energy drainer mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have, you know, so that full plate is a distraction. The other thing is distraction is, is, because of how I'm wired and how I'm gifted, the things that I see are all about vision and legacy. So I can go to I can go to a concert and I'm sitting in the concert where everybody's enjoying the music. I'm I'm watching how they they've set the sound up and everything, wondering, can I fill this venue and what do I have to do to fill the venue? So I miss out on the really the entertainment. Ah, you know, okay. I can't even go to church anymore without critiquing because as a church coach mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I do. So it's hard for me to sit, even sit and just worship because I'm looking at, yeah, he shouldn't have said that. Or, yeah, he didn't prepare. That's part of that visionary you know, thing. It, it is. Yeah. But it also helps me not get filled when mm-hmm. I go places to get filled. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's church, whether it's a concert or something, because I'm always on and I, I'm having to learn how to turn, turn it off, off. Mm-hmm. Um, and put myself in positions where people can speak into me mm-hmm. that I will actually listen to. I don't let any, just anybody speak into me. And like I said, everybody can't pastor me. It's not because I think I'm greater than anybody else. I just know me. Everybody can't pastor Everybody can't teach me. Everybody can't lead me. So because I know that, I have to, I have to purposely put myself in positions with people who know more, have accomplished more, who've done more, mm-hmm. and who, for lack of a better term, are more anointed mm-hmm. that I, that, that they, and who are not impressed by me. Let me, let me mm-hmm. put it that way. I need to be in a place where people aren't impressed by me and they will actually put me where I need to be at. And so one of my biggest distractors is finding people mm-hmm. who would genuinely care for me and not just say I ain't impressed just to be trying to not be impressed, but actually care for me enough not to be impressed by me. Okay. Okay. Um, for myself, I think the number one reason would be I try to do too many things in my own power. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching a video about Oprah who I watch all the time. I should have actually listened to her as one of the people who inspire me. But she was just saying how she always just, she, she thinks of the plan, but then she surrenders to whatever God's will is for her, for that, whatever his dream is for her. Mm-hmm. And it's so often because, you know, God does things in his own time. And, and mm-hmm. often it's too slow for me. Me too. Yeah, exactly. So um, See what I try was. to do too much, and then I get frustrated when it doesn't happen. Um, and that's one of the things why, one reason why I'm all over the place sometimes, because, the timing, I need it right now. Instant gratification is what, is what yep. satisfies me. Just add water. Yeah, 
So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that would be the first one. The second one is I have not fully realized who I am yet. Mm-hmm. Still working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, confident. A lot of people see more in me than I see in myself. Mm-hmm. That's pro- that should probably be the number one reason. And then number two, I care too much about what you think. Mm-hmm. I need to stop that. You need a coach. I need a coach. You need a coach. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. And that's a pro- and that's a process. It and is. I think we've all had that struggle, Will. You are not alone in that struggle. I think that we've all had that struggle and have managed to the best of our ability mm-hmm. to overcome mm-hmm. the opinions of other people. Because other people give their opinion of us based on where they are in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Based on where they are in life. Now, I can fake it like what you say don't bother me, but when I get in the car, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. See, and part of that is, recognizing that part of the part of the first part is ownership mm-hmm. hi my name is ellis and i'm an alcoholic we got to start there. yeah i knew you know? something was now, wrong with <laughs> <laughs> so but we have stopped we have to start with the recognition uh-huh. and 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 i commend you because most of us especially as men we don't we don't we won't even admit to ourselves yeah. so that we can begin to heal or mm-hmm. repair or even refine uh-huh. who we are so i i commend you on that absolutely Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I want to thank both of you for coming back on. Th- you for coming back hey, on anytime. the show. Can't wait till you come back. You as well. Thank I'm you. extending an a open invitation for thank you to come back you. whenever you back. want to. Did you enjoy yourself? I had an absolute blast. I love you. I love being on the show. I heard you say that this was on your bucket list. Yes, it on. was. Good. Yeah, and, and now I can mark it off. I'm waiting for the Rules Radio Show. Oh, uh, it's on Thursday nights. We're going to the radio show. It is okay. It's, so, give us this information. Okay. Well, so, so the Rules Radio Show okay. is on. Uh, Thursday nights at seven thirty Eastern on BlogTalkRadio.com. Okay, just go and and search for rules. Okay, and we come on every uh, every Thursday at uh, seven thirty PM. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach Fiona and I are on there, and we are this week. We last week we talked about um, non cookie jar love. Non cookie jar. Yeah. So we're in, is we're that in, possible? Yeah, well, th- this month <laughs> this month month our rule uh, on the radio show is I can have um, know how to love. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking. We talked about celibacy and relationships. Uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, post cookie jar love, which is menopause and menopause issues, uh, because a lot of times we don't. We talk a lot about women in their hormone mm-hmm. fluctuations. It's coming. We don't talk about men. Yeah, and there's a real thing with menopause. God bless us. Right. And then the week after that we're going to talk love, lust, or like. Mm-hmm. I want in difference. on that conversation. Yeah, that yes. sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good. So yeah. join us on Thursday night, seven thirty. Uh, or on Monday Monday mornings, five o'clock on 5 Channel Four. Four. And, uh, okay. So, world's uh, greatest publicist, Nikki Curry. Absolutely. Thank you, Nikki. Yes. Thank on? you, Nikki. Nikki, I want to thank everybody on Facebook for tuning yes. in always yeah. and leaving the comments. Also, leave questions, anything you wanted to talk about during the talk. Um, also, do that and go to our fan page. Let's face it with Will Straight on your friends. Am I saying it right? <laughs> Until <laughs> next week, I don't even know who. Um, is on the schedule, but it's going to be a good show. Also looking for um, guest co-hosts, and we're booking now from October through December. Um, so, yes, contact Nikki Curry at Nikki Curry, that's N-I-K-K-I-C-U-R-R-Y media at gmail.com. All right. Yay, Nikki. Yes. Hey, this is the world's greatest publicist. Yes. Just, yeah, that's that's what I call her. That's yes. what I call her. That's yes. what I call her. So until next week, everybody be blessed and good night.
Good night. Good night, night, everybody. Bye, Facebook. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week, same time, same place, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Hi, Fashion Hotline. Help. My family's New Year's resolution is to be more active, but we could use some new styles for motivation. Run into Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now. All Old Navy active styles for the family are up to 50% off. Kick it into gear with leggings, mesh tees, and more. Up to 50% off? Ooh, I'm feeling motivated already. Tops start at just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids, with compression leggings and active pants from $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Kids, get a move on. We're going to Old Navy. Hurry in for up to 50% off all Old Navy active right now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid one 3 through one ten. Excludes in-store clearance. What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multi-purpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multi-purpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. 